Making a no-budget film? It's like going to war. But you're not General MacArthur. Storming the beaches with the force of a hundred thousand soldiers. Instead, you're... You're more like a squad of Viet Cong guerrillas behind enemy lines. Trying to complete an impossible mission using guile and your wits. The odds stacked against you. It's risky, difficult, and dangerous. I can swear to it. I've been there. Dark days, very dark days. Uh, yeah, well, first and foremost, welcome back, Matt. Thank we you. have missed you. Thank you. Glad to be. I here. hope. I think. I think I can speak for myself and everyone who listens to the Grand House that we hope that your wedding preparations and schooling preparations have been going excellent. Oh, it's been nuts, but it. But the first semester's over. It's. Uh, I guess it's. It's summertime, except for I still have to go to work. But. Um, no. But yeah, it's. That's adult. Yeah, it's adult summer. You just get to get to only go to work and not have to do other shit afterwards <laughs> right, right yeah we had a we had a shooting hiatus this week so we still worked every day but it wasn't working like 16 hours it was working eight hours oh yeah which which seemed like a, ma- a crazy break and and my my dad diamond dave is in town right on what's up dave that's cool yeah it, that is a a bummer that we're like man i'm, I'm only <laughs> i'm only working eight hours a day man it's like Living the easy life, you know. <laughs> Seriously, I, I I got like eight hours of sleep. Wow. Yeah, wow. What's up, lazy? How you doing, man? You gonna get back to work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that movie Friday, except not really like. That. Yeah, not at all like that. As a welcome back, I thought we would just sort of catch up. You know, it's been a couple of weeks. A lot of things have been going on around the internet that involve film and television, especially television. I thought we would dip into that i got stormbreaker here from endgame next to me as some inspiration oh what and, is that um, Oh, that's, that's you... the new avengers oh my god yeah I, yeah, I, well, yeah i've been busy yeah i haven't got i haven't even got to see it yet <laughs> i don't yeah oh geez okay yeah. well so th- th- this is my point so li- life comes at you fast so we th- we thought we would take this episode to just sort of catch you up matt because you have been so busy with <laughs> You know, a lot of adult things. We would talk about some of the things that are currently going on right now. Okay. Uh, yeah. Educate me. You know, when we last chatted, we uh, you were sent on a task to catch up on all the episodes of Game of Thrones as later today in a few hours will be this the series finale. Right. That, and, and I don't know if you've heard, but everyone has loved this season. Yeah, well, see, that's what happened. I, I did kind of catch up, but not in... A, the way you would have wanted what I did instead was uh started reading the books again and then when I wasn't I, w- I would uh reading the books or well, I, I'm gonna be honest I was listening <laughs> listening to audible audiobooks that's that's what listen I'm not I'm not I, I don't think I don't think that we should look down on uh, audiobooks yeah. and because because for years I was kind of like well you got to read it and then look all mediums and we've talked about this before all mediums will give you a different perspective of a story. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think that's an important note as we get into the further conversation. But the difference between reading a book and listening to a book, it's a different experience. But none, not one is, is more or less valid than the other. I um, uh, the, Do you know the book, The, the Alchemist? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Paulo, Paulo Coelho. What's his name? The, yeah. Uh, great, yeah, great book, though. Very cool. 
So, so at a, at a really important time in my life, I was going through a divorce at the time, and I had this long drive from Georgia back to California after finishing a movie where my life, I, I, I don't even know what life I'm going back to at this point, right? Yeah. And and uh, someone had recommended that I read The Alchemist and, and that it would it would be really impactful for me and something that they thought that I would enjoy. But obviously, I'm driving. So I put in the audiobook, and guess who did the narration for that book? Who was it? John Malkovich. Very cool. No, sorry, sorry. No. Jeremy Irons. Even better. Even better. <laughs> even better. <laughs> uh, although John Malkovich would have been in a completely different perspective. No, uh, I don't know why I always get those two confused. Um, Jeremy Irons did the did the the narration, and I mean that's a different experience. Oh yeah. I'm sh- you know that it was it was just so awesome to hear, and I was watching the road and. You know, there's it's it was a it created a different environment and experience for me. Well, the uh, so you the, li- the, you listen to those audiobooks. Yeah, the narrator for uh, the Song of Ice and Fire series, you know, the Game of Thrones uh, series, um, is uh, is actually a cast member from the show. Oh, who is it? Uh, Roy Dotrice. He's the late Roy Dotrice. He was he's fantastic. No. But I don't know if you remember. He this may have been some seasons back, but uh, he's the. Um, uh, the the uh, what do you call it? Uh, well, the alchemist, I guess, that they go to to get. He's like the head of the alchemy labs that does like the oh, wildfire and the, stuff. The original maester? No, or not the, not or the maester. Claiborne. No, he's it. He's um. It's like they're the uh, the town chemists or alchemists or something. But they're they're who makes the wildfire. You right. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and I'm trying to think of in the series if. Who, which one person it was this? Because there was a, there's the, there's, I think his name is Claire, Claiborne, Claiborne. Oh, no, not Kyborne. Kyborne is a, like a Ky- total Kyborne. villain that like allies with Right, Susan. right, right. No, nah, this guy's just like a kooky little wizard down in his labs. It's like, oh, we're making wildfire. And he's, he's pretty, uh, pretty cool character though. Like, they, I mean, you okay. kind of get a sense that like making this volatile, um, you know, uh, fuel, uh, probably the fumes kind of get to these guys' heads a little bit because they're all super weird and like real excited about it. And, and then plus the, the stuff is so dangerous that they have to like be really careful with it all the time. It, it, it can like sweat through the clay pot you put it in and it's, uh, right. yeah, it, it's, the, it's the, so it, you it's, know what I'm talking about? It's the, it's the stuff that Tyrion yeah. burned the fleet with at the Battle of the Black. No, Earth. no, I'm aware. Yeah. yeah, so it's basically, they're basically like uh, meth cooks. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It's like they're kind of in that style. Like, a little smarter, but yeah, just kooky and weird. Uh, and hey, hey, do you ever see Mickey Rourke as the cook in Spun? Uh, no, no, I, I haven't seen Spun. It's pr- pretty cool. Pretty cool dude, pretty smart. But yeah, Roy Dotrice, he does a great job of the narration, but that, I was going to say, is like kind of one of the things about the audiobook experience is that when you read a book, you all the voices are yours, you know? And the, like, sure. for example, like let's say there's a part where, um, you know, someone comes up behind someone and says says something to them, and, you know, in the book, you're like, he heard a voice from behind, and like you're like, ah, oh, who's that, you know? But then in right. the audiobook, you, you know who it is because the narrator's like, you know, doing little fingers voice you know and you're like oh it's okay <laughs> so sometimes you kind of get a little little spoiler from a little surprise part or something you know and there, there's that and then there's like sometimes when the voices are just not what you would imagine the character like he does this voice uh for brian of tarth uh you know the the big giant woman that's just a, a badass and you know as strong as yeah. any knight and um, it's it's this strange little accent with the whole 
oh, I'm looking for my sister, <clears throat> you know? And it's like, and it's just this like, what is that, man? It sounds like the the most like crippled little old lady and, you know, just, just elderly, but it's supposed to be Brian of Tarth, you know, this big, strong. Well, it it's tough sometimes when a performance is given in a way that you didn't imagine, you know? I think that's yeah. tough sometimes for people when they when they, they when they've built up uh, things to work in a certain way in their head and then it doesn't play out that way as they imagined. I think also when you're narrating a series like a Song of Ice and Fire, you know, you probably only have so many different voices you can do. So like, yeah. so you know what I mean? Like some of them just get you just well, that's just going to have to be her voice because I already used my other female voice for well, Yeah, well and also yeah, listen, also, sometimes those are just creative decisions, right? Like, if you're listening to David Beckham talk, uh, I bet no. you if someone <laughs> if someone was ever watching David Beckham and imagined what his voice would sound like, it would not sound like what he sounds like in real life. Oh, okay. He, he, it would be as off as this uh, Brienne of Tarth voice. He sounds like Harry Potter from, like, a, you know, book one. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's got the highest, like, most dainty british voice that you can imagine huh i'm gonna have to check that out that sounds interesting so 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 who knows maybe brianne has a, a voice that's a juxtaposition to her, her physical appearance maybe i i don't know you yeah. don't know that would be strange <clears throat> but but on on the topic of of um expectations not being met by performance yes or the medium we talked a little bit about this, uh, Jude and I, uh, a little bit, of, just broadly speaking, about sort of the, the Monday morning filmmaker. And um, the point that I was making was that criticism is important. It's necessary. And, and we uh, encourage it. However, I, I do think that there has been lost in the, the, the normal customs of the Internet uh, for it to be like critique and analysis and instead it kind of becomes sort of knee-jerk reaction right yeah and, and there there's been a lot of that when it comes to uh, uh this season of game of thrones we were just joking earlier that it's everyone's favorite season it's a bit it's been a pretty controversial season i would say i've well that is something because <laughs> we, we, we have talked about this we yeah our, our audience doesn't know that we don't record all of our uh, conversations sometimes we chat and we we were talking about that recently, and I, you, you made a good point that I don't really watch the shows, so my criticisms might not be completely accurate. But I have one of the things I've been watching, and I, I probably shouldn't, is a lot of these guys on YouTube that are kind of, yeah, what you're talking about. You know, they're sort of pointing out like what definitely, from my point of view, looks like lazy writing. Sure, sure. So I thought it might be fun. As someone who, ha- who who has watched the first episode and will watch the last episode <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and has read the books and is a very knowledgeable, experienced person. And, and, and part of the reason why we do this podcast together is because you under you do understand, you know, basic storytelling. You do have that insight that I think a lot of people don't always have. Um, so so what are some of the things I thought it might be interesting if, if, if a little bit of an in defense of Game of Thrones type. What are you what are some of the things that you're hearing or perceiving that seem like lazy writing. And maybe, maybe I have a counterpoint to it. I don't know. Maybe I don't, maybe this is lazy writing. Oh, um, uh, well, okay. Definitely Daenerys strange little arc here, but, um, 
I, I think that uh, the, the main one is the, um, the rate at which they've been killing off characters and uh, groups mm, of characters mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It, it seems like the, the way in which they're getting killed off is very like uh, counterintuitive to the uh, previous behaviors. Like, for example, a, a great example is the Dothraki army, uh, how yep, they yep. just kind of, you know, don't act like a cal- cavalry at all. They just go galloping straight into the middle of the of the battle lines and just get you know surrounded and crushed. And it's um, it seems like well, that's, we don't know, we don't we, we don't know. So well, so okay, so I'll back that a little well, bit. So well, I think I'll, that, that hold on okay. to get to my okay. point. I'm I'm saying like things like that uh, seem like they're just killing people to get them out of the way because they need this. Um, they they needed certain conditions to be met. You know what I'm saying? They're, sure. they're having well, characters make decisions to advance the plot rather than having mm-hmm, um, the mm-hmm. plot kind of, you know, work with the, the way the characters usually behave. Well, so that's a, that's a very interesting point, And I think there is some truth in the criticism with that. Um, so I read a really interesting, it was a series of tweets actually from a, I believe he's a writer himself. It was a guy named Daniel Silvermint. And he had a really interesting take on why Game of Thrones feels different. And what he essentially says is that there are two types of processes when it comes to writing. There's plotters and there's plant seers, right? And just to sum it up, plant seers are people who build characters. They, they develop these round characters. And then they allow these characters uh, characterization to dictate the plot. Like you might have a general idea where you're going. But ultimately, you build and you build and you build these layers on characters. And then, in theory, their character development will dictate the pace of the show, right? Okay. And he would, and, and as a, as some, as when, when I do write or as a storyteller, as just someone, my perspective is I tend to fall under plant seer. Um, I tend to be really involved with character. I tend to really look at character. Um, motivation and ask myself when I'm either writing or when I'm watching, does this make sense within the context of what a character, how a character would behave? I'll give you a great example. Maybe we'll get to this later, but Tyrion, I guess in the books is written as this like mega genius. Yeah. And, and in the show he does start as very, very smart, but they've done an interesting thing with him where they've kind of deconstructed him a little bit over time. And I understand why they did it. Because this was a guy who was book smart, but he he had no military experience. He had no real world experience. He was drinking and whoring and reading, right? And that is a certain type of intelligence. But what they've done is they've, and I think they've done it with at the attempt to making him a more relatable, more interesting character, albeit a less token character, which is that they made him fallible. And, and particularly fallible when it comes to his, decisions regarding his family he's emotionally driven by a need to protect his family in spite of the way they've treated him as time has passed and as he's experienced these different experiences that have broken him away from this very uh selfish lifestyle into more of a caring lifestyle his his caring has made him vulnerable and i think that's a theme that tends to follow through some of the the way the show is laid out but um, and then plotters are people who who plot, right? They, they have certain points in the plot, and they got to get to those points. And it makes the argument that there's no good or bad way. They both have 
upside and they both have downside. Um, you know, a, a, a planter will have this rich, rich character, but sometimes their characters seem to just kind of go on and on and on. And you never really know where they're getting to because they just like to write these characters and follow them like a voyeur, right? Whereas plotters can can have seem to have a more concise story, but sometimes the characters act might appear to act out of character because you're trying to get to the next point in your plot, right? And and the plot is dictating their actions versus their characterization dictating the plot. Yeah, I I think it's a lot of a lot of the plotter thing is going on with the the late writing in the show. Well, and the problem is that is that the, the this sort of blog. Um, makes the point that that J.R. J.R.R. Martin G.R. George R.R. Martin yeah. is a is a plant seer, and um, that the books are kind of meandering plots that even he has admitted he's not really sure how to get out of, and um, he's kept adding books and certainly they're delayed because he's trying to figure out how to get back to the main story. Like there's a big argument for Lady Stoneheart and why Lady Stoneheart or uh, Young Griff have not been included in the show. And I I tend to believe that the reason they weren't added to the show is because they don't play a part in the main story, right? That they were interesting things that he developed and, and is developing, but at some point he's going to have to figure out how to get them out of the central conflict because they probably don't play a role. Yeah, they... You know, th- well, I think that uh, Griff, I think, is... Um, you're referring to the uh, the character that is probably a targaryen is that the one well he's probably a blackfire black but yes he claims yeah. to be he claims to be an, a targaryen yeah um so yeah i don't know uh, about that one um if he's going to be important to the story or not but lady stoneheart i kind of think that um she's sort of i think just kind of exists to be like an example of the chaos that's going on in the region because of all the constant right. warfare and all the stuff that's happening and also um you know one of the coolest things about that series is it kind of starts out in a world that seems very realistic you know you know it's a fantasy kingdom you know there's you know some strange things going on but you don't necessarily feel like there's magic and you know it's not like lord of the rings where gandalf's just a wizard you know uh i think the one of the first times you even see any real magic is when um Mary Malzdor, I think is her name. She's the one that uh, revives Cal Drago. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think she, that's the only time you actually see like any real magic, uh, you know, it, up until that point. there's It's just kind of something that might exist that people talk about. And um, so what, what's cool is as the thing goes on and the dragons get bigger and, and the chaos starts to come and the civilization breaks down more and more as all the houses fall, you see this return of magic to the point where, you know, there's like a group of bandits in the woods led by a corpse, you know, and there's right. Uh, yeah. Really crazy stuff going on. Um, you start seeing where things that in the, in the earlier story uh, were kind of seem like superstitions of a different culture, like the drowned God, for example, the, the, the God right. of the iron islands. Um, mm-hmm. There Things start happening that make you, think wow i think the drowned god also exists like they there's a part in the book that that wouldn't have made it into the show but they like they steal some i mean they they take over a slaver ship and there's a bunch of prostitutes in there and they Mm -hmm. uh, because they've just been like dead in the water for a long time it's uh it's 
it's it's the the it's the Greyjoys, and they're kind of like in the in this ship, and they've been dead in the water for a while, and then they see this slaver ship coming, so they just start rowing, and they overtake it, and they kill all the captains, and they take uh, uh, all the prostitutes onto their boat, and um, they do this weird thing where they start you know, speaking to them in a really nice way and like kissing them on the cheek and the hand. And then they, they guide all the prostitutes onto this little like smaller boat and they just kind of shove it off. And then once they get far enough away, they just shoot the thing with flaming arrows, like killing, all, yeah. killing all of them. And like, as, as a sacrifice to the drowned God, and as, as the flames consume them, their screams start, start turning into song. And then like this mm. wind comes and they, and they have, they get to sail on again. So right. yeah, so it's like weird stuff like that starts happening, where well, so that yeah, so that's the thing. Like with the plants here, someone who's able to just live in this world and just develop character, develop characters and world building around this character. You have an endless supply of ability to write and write and write and and create these larger uh, backstories. But I but what I think has occurred is in the medium of television. We, we've seen the danger of what happens when stories just meander on. Yes. You know? And I lo- I'm looking straight at you, Walking Dead. Mm. And and I know I know Walking Dead is following the comic, and the comic is not ending, but how many TV shows have you seen that just carry on, and you're just like, what is the fucking point? Where is any of this going? Yeah. You know, and it's a cool it's a cool world that you're building, but, like, at a certain – this is just the differences between a book that can, can – that can – that is so – you know, the, the nature of books really brings you into a world. It really sets you into it. It makes you a world builder with the author versus when you're watching uh, any medium in which you're perceiving, right? Um, audio book, now audio and visual. You're kind of expecting to be led a little bit. Like you're you're perceiving a story in a way that is different than when you're reading a book and you're sort of, you sort of become part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I just, and I've heard a lot of complaints from people who are like, well, no one told them to do this arbitrary shortened season. They're rushing. They're over it, et cetera, et cetera. First off, I they're making a lot of money, um, a lot of money, and I, and anyone who works in the film industry knows that you might be a little over it, but you also don't know. There's no guarantee that you, you know from an actor standpoint that you're going to keep getting roles that pay like this. There's no guarantee that from a writing standpoint that you're going to keep getting. And I know. Um, David and, and what is it, D.B. Weiss, they're, they're being offered the new Star Wars trilogy, but there's no guarantee. No, there's no guarantee that of job security going forward. Uh-huh. So, you know, there's nothing that says that they... I, I don't think there's any arbitrary reason to end Game of Thrones. Like, uh, they're, all, they're, all the incentive in the world is there to keep it going forever. It's a massive cash cow for HBO. I think that they felt that naturally eight seasons was sufficient to end the series and that to keep it going. I mean, they could have kept going 10, 11, 12 seasons probably. Um, but at some point you will get, you will get diminishing returns and you will get a loss of interest. And albeit this season is controversial. Everyone's tuning in. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try to watch tonight. If I have time, uh, I am curious how they're going to end it. And I, I've been accused as being, I think, sort of indirectly accused of just being sort of a Game of Thrones defender. I actually thought season seven was kind of on the boring side, you know. Uh-huh. Um, see, I remember season seven being a little bit of, 
season seven definitely felt like it was like, okay, now we got to get everyone together, you know? Yeah. And, and it, it felt, it, it seemed to lack some of the more, the more tentpole moments in game of Thrones that always kept the intrigue going. And um, so, you know, to go back to this idea of plant seers and plotters, you know, George Martin doesn't know how to end this series. He, he's, he's still two books behind. We have no idea if or when those books will ever come out. I mean, he's so, he, supposedly he's got a lot going on and, and it's uh, it, it might not be that long. Um, or he hasn't even started. No, I, I read an interview. He hasn't even started the last book. He, he said any any reports that he has the books finished or that he's close are wrong. Really? Yeah, uh, he's he's only he's he's still working through the second to last book. He hasn't even started the last book, so I I wouldn't and 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 by the way, there's no guarantee that he doesn't decide. I need another book to end this because that's what happens with plant seers. They're following the characters, so they don't really know how long it will take. You know, there is a um, you know, there's uh, there's that's just a school of thought that you just sort of following the characters until their natural conclusion well then i guess that that's kind of what happened then we just we have this writer that that is doing the the plant seer method that you're talking about and then right at some point it, these other writers take it uh, take it over and they're like we're, we've got to you know point this to an end but i think that's what it is it just kind of feels a little strange to everybody it's like you have this these characters that are just having their natural progressions and they're growing in their own ways and they're very, you know, very dynamic and, um, and then all seemingly kind of at the same time, they all just start behaving slightly different going toward this kind of weird foreseeable means. You know what I'm saying? It's as if like everybody just stopped and like turned a different direction and then just continued on. And you're like, why did they just do that? And I think that's what's bothering people. I do see that. I do see that to some degree. Um, that being said, nothing that's occurred seems out of character. Now, now you could certainly make the argument that like all these characters seemingly are making their turn towards their end point at the same time. And I get that. I mean, you could certainly make the argument that maybe they should have gone nine seasons and maybe that would have done it, but maybe not because if, if you know, the, the entire time that the Game of Thrones TV show has been being made, it's been made in connection with George Martin. I mean, he is a consultant from the very beginning till now. Like, let's make no, like, this, this, this idea that the writers are idiots and they're out on their own doing their own thing. Like, George Martin has been a consultant for the show for the entirety of the show, uh-huh. you know, uh, and, and, and sort of. Uh, what his what his involvement is is probably dependent on his own involvement. But I I did a I I adapted the James Patterson book a few years ago, and we had to submit the script to them, and they had to sign off on it, and we, we made character changes, and they had to approve them, and you know it is more complicated process than people think, yeah. and it's real, and people like to throw around this term lazy writing. It's lazy thinking when you just say. Um, oh, well, they don't have a book to go off anymore, and therefore they're just doing whatever they want. George Martin is still involved, and he, he will, he's an, as involved as he probably ever was. You know, I think what they've been tasked to do is bring this ship in, and they don't – even the guy who's – even the guy who is writing it, the authority in this creative endeavor, doesn't really know how to get there. He may know how to, what the result is, but even he hasn't figured out how to get there. So – 
Yeah, it's a tough task. It's a tough task to get there, and it, and it may not be everyone's cup of tea. But I don't think it's lazy writing, and I do think that, like for example, Daenerys. There, I saw uh, an article. I didn't read it. I don't want to read it. It's dumb. There are some people online who were like, um, they they've created this idea in their mind that Varys was poisoning her, uh-huh. and that's and that's why she turned uh, violent. <laughs> that's pretty. Yeah, that's some pretty far reaching, man. Just like that. Yeah. That's not how she would normally behave. Somebody poisoned her. Somebody did something. Like. She was but, possessed but by she the has, devil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the reality is that she's always in in the show. She has always had violent tendencies. She oh, her first her first reaction has always been violence. It's 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 the people around her that have always pulled her back and helped her see that there is a better way to do it. But her first reaction at every port, every kingdom that she took over, every, and the, I think the first time she meets Tyrion, she's, he's like, what is your plan for King Lanny? She's like, I'm going to burn it to the ground. And then people are like, wait a minute, why did she burn this to the ground? She said she was. The only reason that she moved off of that is because she was listening to the advisors around her and she saw the positive results of those decisions. But, you know, from the very beginning, she is. I like. To, do you watch sports, Matt? No. Okay. Do you know who LeBron James is, <laughs> yeah. though? Yeah, he's very famous. All right. Yeah. Okay. So LeBron James is a really good basketball player, and he's been good since he was a kid, like a t- like a young yeah. kid. And and everyone his entire life has been telling him that he's literally his nickname is the King. Like they've been telling him he's the King since he was probably fourteen, fifteen years old. He's not thirty something years old. And, and he is physically gifted beyond belief, okay? But he's a little bit of a megalomaniac. He's got an ego, yeah. as one would imagine. Think about all the child actors. Think about Corey Feldman, you know? Just for a moment. Take yourself back. Dream a little dream. Think about Macaulay Culkin. Think about all these talented, talented people that from the age of childhood have been told that they are the greatest thing in the world. Uh-huh. Now, imagine that you're you are entitled to a crown based purely on your on your blood and your and what you perceive as your birthright and everywhere you've gone along this this land that you don't actually belong to when you've made a decision you've been praised for it okay now imagine you get home a home you've never actually lived in and the people there don't give two shits about you you're an outsider to them they don't care what you, what what's what uh, slavers you've freed. They don't care about any of your conquest east. You're west now, and they don't care about you. But they like this other guy, and uh, just because you believe that you're the the rightful uh, heir to the throne doesn't necessarily mean they believe it, and they don't love you, and they don't care about you. Yeah. Like to 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 think that that wouldn't initiate a a change in character or change in thought process is asinine. Well, I, I don't think it comes as a shock when she gets there. She's kind of known the situation. A lot of people were shocked. What? A lot of people were shocked that she that she wasn't turned. No, I'm saying comes as a shock that she's not going to be well received when she uh, shows up it's and a, says, "Hey, I'm the queen now." Well, it's. I think it's a shock to her. I don't think it would be. I mean, they're kind of. She's well, kind of been prepared. Think for about that. the. Well, but, but but okay. So that this is where this is where maybe I'm taking leaps from a from a character standpoint. But I I just try to think of like normal human processes, right? Yeah. Le, LeBron James. I'll get, and again, we'll use the LeBron James. <laughs> so LeBron James. Um, all of our listeners are total basketball heads, right? <laughs> so Le, LeBron James uh, is, was born in Cleveland and he played for Cleveland, 
and everyone thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And he decides to leave Cleveland and go to Miami. Yeah. In a very ill-fated, ill-thought-out press conference. And he received a lot of hate all of a sudden. And I don't think he understood how to react to it. I don't think that he – this is a guy who from for the last 10, 15, 20 years had been praised endlessly. And then all of a sudden he makes a decision and he goes somewhere different. And and that praise – I mean it's not to say that he wasn't still celebrated as a, as a great talent. But like he had a lot of detractors. He had a lot of hate spewed his way. And, and I don't think normal human processes, people who have been told as a young age that they're the greatest, most people don't know how to react to this. And again, you go back to like, you know, child actors. How many child actors fall into like drugs and despair and and violence when their fame dissipates? Oh, yeah. Like all of them. Yeah, all of them. Like how many fighters, how many great fighters have such bad, you know, post fight careers or, or cling to fighting forever because they can never they can never get over the fact that they're no longer the greatest. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it happens uh, pretty commonly. So, so if you're this young girl who's 12, 13, 14, when you're told that you're literally, I mean, she's got 15 nicknames everywhere she goes. She's the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. And she, and, and, and she's had some loss and she's had some, and, and she's always had violent tendencies, but she's always been talked off the cliff. And then she comes across the sea and no one gives a shit about her. Really? All those names don't mean anything to anyone. Uh huh. And she starts to be convinced to help John. Uh, with his war against the dead, and it cost her one of her children. And she's convinced to go to Cersei and try to bargain, and it, and it costs betrayal. And you know, and like, oh, she go like ever since she gets to the West, things have just not worked out the way she envisioned. She thought coming over, and she's been told coming over that people would believe. And speaking of Varys, Varys would would be one of the ones who was constantly planting in her mind when you get there. You will have supporters. They'll see that you're the rightful heir and they'll support you and they'll love you. But they don't. They don't because so much time has passed since a Targaryen has sat in the throne and so many things have occurred that all of that doesn't really matter. So what, what we know about how celebrities behave, is it really a shock that she starts to she starts to change the way she behaves? She starts to feel bitter. She starts to feel paranoid she starts to feel unloved and maybe her violent tendencies that she's had since the very beginning are starting to take over over her more sensible altruistic behaviors oh yeah yeah i could see that uh i mean yeah there's definitely a a good argument to be made that her behavior would have occurred and it's not out of character uh there's good arguments on the other side too I, i i don't know um it, it it is because what you were saying is something too that like when you adapt something you have to make a lot of changes and I think we've right. got, we've had so many uh, you know really popular books get adapted to uh, movies and television now that I think people are starting to understand that things they shouldn't expect things to be as good as the book or the or the same you know like Dune back you know back when I was a kid it was always people talking about Dune how. Uh, Frank Herbert's Dune was this great book and the film was just terrible and it's nothing like the book. And they've kind of become two separate things for me. I love the book. I love the movie. They're both, they're very, yeah. 
there's cool things in the movie that the book doesn't have. And there's cool things in the book, you know, probably a lot more cool things in the book that the movie doesn't have, but I don't, sure. I don't expect them to be the same thing. And I think the same goes for a game of Thrones. You know, it's, I mean, the fact that it's, it's called a game of Thrones, which is just the title of the first book. Whereas the, you know, that, that story of a game of Thrones, the first book is such a small piece of this huge world. And, um, but that that right there is a great clue that the show's not called a song of ice and fire that it's just you know yeah, right. the first book and it just kind of shows you that this is a different thing and it is going to have different necessities because it it's not a book and it, like you're saying like yeah. martin could say i'm going to write a eighth book and a ninth book if i need to and right. you can't if, and, he, and he and he might sure. <laughs> yeah he might and people would still be reading them but I mean, right. look how many huge epic fantasy series there are out there that are you know 20 plus books uh wheel of almost all of them right i mean some of them just go on and on and people still love them and you know but uh yeah he could totally do that if he feels he needs to whereas you're right man if a television show says you know what we're gonna go to 13 seasons it's like okay get used to nobody caring replacing cast members with less talented people uh, you know budget cuts. i mean it's it's impossible yeah i mean we couldn't even get John petting uh, ghosts, you know. I mean, there's a there's a scene where John, he you know, he goes down to King's Landing and um, he he makes the decision that the wildlings and the ghosts have no. The, the wildlings decide like we don't belong down south. We're gonna go back up north. We killed the army of the dead. We don't care about your you know your throne. And we're and in a, in a in a agreeable way with John, but he's like we're, we got to go back. Mm-hmm. Home. And he's like, okay, I get it. He's like, take Ghost with you. You know, Ghost has no place down at King's Landing. Direwolves traditionally have not done good south, and uh, he says goodbye to it. But um, and this is a this is a legitimate criticism I have with the show. Uh, they in the, and I know why they made the decision. Again, this is why I don't think the writing is lazy. I think the writing is sometimes um, dictated by circumstance. But not lazy. Yeah. So they didn't have the budget. They have a limited budget. And by the way, the show is like $100 million seasons. It's not like their budgets are small. But in the context of how much CG they have with those those dragons, they um, they didn't want to spend or they couldn't spend or the, the money had been allocated in other areas to have John pet or do a pr- proper goodbye with Ghost. In fact, Ghost is really limited throughout the last couple of seasons because they shoot with werewolves. And then they have to they have to make them bigger, and it's 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 you're dealing with a real animal, yeah. and you're you know it's it's co- very complicated. In fact, um, a director that I did a short film with, he actually shot with the real ghost. He he has a a company that does this like high speed speed rail, and so anytime you see speaking of that Darthraki scene and the ghost scene, anytime you see these characters like running at full speed, uh, charging into battle, he, they they use his equipment. Uh-huh. To get that to get that shot, so he shot with the real wolf. It's a very complicated process, and so they made a decision because they knew what their limitations were. That they just the the that John and Ghost share sort of a stoic, sad glance, and that's it. And and then you know like like imagine trying to say goodbye to someone you can't, so you just sort of walk away. You know. Yeah. Um. It feels a little bit of a cheat, yeah. Because because you you want you want that moment where he at least you know pets him on the nose, gives him a scratch, good dog. You don't get it, but but also how many times in Game of Thrones do you not get that satisfying result? That's not a real extreme example, you know. That he just didn't pet uh, 
snow, but or not snow. What? I'm so, ghost. ghost. <laughs> Sorry, it, it was a long night last night. Uh, that's also uh, why my voice might sound like it's uh, a little sandier, a little, little more gravelly this morning. Uh, I, I, uh, it's very just, Wolfman Jack. I'm digging it. Oh, uh, thank you. So I think it's an interesting point that you make that the show is called A Game of Thrones and not A Song of Ice and Fire. So how how many books are there right now? How many books are there? There's five. Yeah. Okay, so five books. A very very expansive universe that deals like you're like you were saying earlier that deals with um is the drowned god real uh, it, that's one thing that the show doesn't ex- really explore they mention the gods plenty um you know there have been spin-offs to the game of the, the ice uh, song of ice and fire series when so it's a it's a massive massive world that they've built so i think a, a thing that people uh, one of the criticisms that i heard was that the um the attack on Winterfell from the Army of the Dead was only lasted one night. Yeah. And I think that it's really important to note that when the writers looked at the series, the reason that they called it a Game of Thrones was because that was the focus of this massive world. And, and I think that this, if you want to ask yourself why certain characters didn't make it in, why certain changes have made, they latched on to a single point a certain perspective of the story and that was the game of thrones yeah. right and that's going to be the focus of the show and it doesn't take away from the other elements of the from the books and it doesn't mean it's not going to include other elements from the books but the show made the decision from the very beginning that this show that that was going to be this show's main focus yeah and, and when you signed on to watch the show and become emotionally invested in this show that should have been a clue to you now they're obviously going to include the army of the dead. The army of the dead is really important to this series, but it's not the main, it has been in, if you look at the, all the advertisements over time, even like the very season one's, uh, you know, poster art, it was different characters sitting on the iron throne, right? Uh, huh. there's always been sort of a central focus of the marketing materials, the promos, the art, the everything. It's the throne, the iron throne. That is the main focus. So, I think that when you're looking at the pacing and some of the, you know, like the, the long night again or whatever it's called, the long night, it's it's important. It's important, but it's not the main importance. It's not the main importance. It's not the main perspective of the show. And yeah. they they need to address it and then they need to move on from it and they need to move on towards the throne. That's the focus of the show. Uh, yeah, it is. And and I, th- I, I guess that's, that might be one of the things that bothers me a little bit is I've always felt that the focus of the books is um, how, you know, it, it's, it's all these stories of people trying to achieve power, but there's this, this lasting kind of un- underlying message that all these trying to, all these different people trying to achieve power and battling with each other for it weakens everybody um, as a group, as, as a kingdom. Right. Uh, because, you know the 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 threat of the coming winter is so significant because there was a time you know hundreds of years ago when this kingdom was totally prepared for stuff like that and i mean not totally i mean it was always right. a very difficult thing but the wall was staffed with knights you know there was um the wall was strong there were no weak points every every castle along the wall or or um barracks that were all filled with soldiers who were mostly volunteer knights who, you know, pledged their life because they believed in it. And now it's like 
criminals, you know, it's a place to send criminals so that they, you know, you, you can be executed or you can go to the wall, you know, or it's, it's a place to send like disgraced soldiers. And so it's, um, uh, like, like one of the things that John does to change things, he, he trains archers, he trains everybody in archery because right. the general, um, battle training they get is sword fighting. And most of these guys are, are not great with swords. They're not knights. They're not, you know, and they don't come from, that like nightly stock, you know, they're smaller, skinnier men. And, but it's that, that idea that we all need to train with swords is left over from the days when the night's watch was really staffed with the kind of people who would be uh, great at sword fighting. And John's the one that realizes, right. like, Hey, the best we can do is just give these guys arrows and make them archers and cause they're not swordsmen. Yeah. Right. So it's that it's, but, it, but it's that kind of thing where you, someone has to, you know, start seeing that, this kingdom is not what it used to be. And there is this coming threat. And I think that's why it's, it's such an issue that it was just a single night battle because the, the threat of the, the coming winter is supposed to, is, is supposed to, when it happens, show the consequences of all of this political turmoil and what actually happens to a, a large group when you've, you let all your leaders just fight and fight for, for power and just bid for power against each other. Is that everybody right. loses so, really? Right. So that's that's an interesting perspective. That that's not a perspective that the show decided to tell. Now you yeah. might have. Well, to me, that, I, it, you, I, I would like, describe the show as well. I would I would say the show is just kind of telling a lot of cool stories based around all these people bidding for power. Like it doesn't have that overarching no. point. It just kind of it's just fun. Not it's not like fun story. Not uh no no. I think that's that does it a little bit of a disservice. I don't think it's just fun i think that's just not the theme that they chose to latch on i think that the theme is uh is is i think what made the show successful to the mass to mass public is that it's essentially just a political thriller right it's a political thriller with dragons and and the focus of the show is not so much what happens to men in in boiled in a political struggle when the forces of nature come the show is what what is the nature of man in a political struggle. Now, again, you could make the argument, and it would be a very valid argument, that that's not as interesting a perspective. Um, you could make the argument that it's not a perspective that is the one you wanted to see based on your experience with the books. But it's the perspective that they decided to tackle. And, and, from that, and, and so that's why when people say, well, the writing's lazy. No, it's not lazy. It's just not what you want it to be. And that's a difference. And I'm not saying that it's flawless. It's certainly not flawless. And I'm not saying we talked earlier about how certain characters are kind of ushered out quickly. And I do think that that's a legitimate criticism. Um, I would make the argument that like, for example, the golden company is a, a, it plays a bigger role. I know in the books than it does in the series. And you could certainly make the argument that they're ushered out pretty quickly and non-ceremoniously, and it does a little bit of disservice because of how much they've been built up in books. But, you know, in the show, I thought about this the other day. I thought about why it felt so immediate, and it's because I kept reading about what they meant outside of the series, the, the show series. Mm-hmm. But in the show, they're just an army. They there's no There's not that much given to it. So... My expectation for them is based on what I I see outside of the what the show is presenting. Well, I I mean I know what you're saying where people are upset because it's not what they wanted it to be, but it's not. I I don't 
I just uh, I I think that you could make that argument if it was something that was equal, and that's but it, you know even if it was upsetting you know like the the red wedding is a great go to because it's definitely not what a lot of people wanted that episode to be, but it's a great story mm-hmm. and it's it's equal you know in the quality, and so um, when I think I think that's the the main thing is when you've got a show that has had this winter is coming theme since the beginning building this up you know but that, see that's hey, but see that's the thing all this, that's all, the thing. All this stuff ha- all, all these well all, all the stuff all the character struggles you're experiencing all the things that the you're, you're witnessing are are crazy and terrible and and entertaining and 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 thought-provoking but at the same time whatever this winter is apparently none of them compare to that and then when it finally comes mm-hmm. and it's just that single battle at winterfell uh you know that's a little bit of a a little bit of a, of a, of a ripoff. I think. I, I think it is. Well, yeah. but but see, here's the thing: the the theme of the show has not. I mean, yes, that has been repeated. But it, again, look at all the marketing materials. It's not winter is coming. It's the throne. That's yeah, the show. That, well, that's fine. Now, now, also, I, I feel, also, I like it's, well, it's like the time. Uh, you know, my friend, my friend Josh. Um, has a story one time where he he was on the beach shooting off fireworks and uh he lit this bottle rocket and um mm-hmm. as it took off the little stem that kind of makes him go straight up in the air it uh broke and so the thing just kind of went wild and his window to his car was just just cracked about oh, no. two inches <laughs> you know to let the let the car breathe a little and that bottle rocket somehow made it into that little two inch gap in the window and then they all just had to stand there and watch as this thing just flew around in his in his car and then exploded inside his car. <laughs> <laughs> He'd had that Honda Accord for maybe like a month, by the way. It was brand new. <laughs> and so like so that's not what he wanted from that bottle rocket, but it's a hell of a story. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Whereas if the bottle rocket just kinda would have just sort of maybe went sideways and hit a sand dune and then just kind of piddled out. Uh- not not I'll what tell you, you wanted either, but, but ha- not the same quality. But, but have 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 you seen that episode? The the Winterfell episode. Yeah, uh, I've seen uh, enough YouTube clips to probably have seen. No, it. <laughs> no, don't don't. You got you, you got to see the thing about those YouTube videos is that they're they're all written from a certain yeah. perspective. There's editorial, like there's a that video you showed me that was like all the cast members disappointed. Did that, I mean, there's so much editorial placed on their expression that it, it leads you to believe it's a very Fox News tactic. I know, but it, you know, leads you. But they still had the pulled. expressions to work with. I mean, it's not like they were okay. But 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 like if you're Daenerys, right? If you're Elizabeth uh, Clark or uh, Amelia what's her Clark. name? Not Elizabeth Clark. Am- Amelia Clark. You know, like the, I read a different. I read a, uh, a different article interview with her, and um, she. You know, this is from her her mouth. No editorial. No, just you know, visual. And she said, she said, you know, the reason you see me frown my eyebrows so much is because I know where the character's going. And I have all these people come up to me and they're like, we love Daenerys. We love Daenerys. And, and she, in her mind, she's thinking, you're not going to love her for long. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so she said it was so difficult to keep that hidden because she knows where the character's going. And she keeps having all these people be like, they, they think she's going to be a hero, but she's got to like somehow not betray the truth right because she's trying to maintain the turn even though it's laid out and obviously these people aren't picking up on the clues and so she's you know so you see that video and you're like oh see she thought it was bad but like 
it's just her way of trying to of trying to to not give away the secret which is that you're going to hate me by the end of this. And by the way, actors become very okay. attached to their characters. Okay? Actors become very attached to their characters and just like I mean, I'll I'll give you a great example. Mark Hamill. I love Mark Hamill, but he yeah. has said some stupid ass shit about Last Jedi and he needs and like in his well, mind he, he wanted Oh man, like there were so many times where he was like you got to give the fans what they want. You got to give them like the original guys back and forth. Like, you know, you got to keep everyone alive. You know, we want to see everyone together. Like that's all great fan service, but it doesn't service the story. Right. Actors are not the authority on what should be. And I think even most actors would tell you that, you know, they're emo- but actors by nature are emotionally driven. That's why what makes them so good. You know, this is why actors act and writers write and directors direct and producers produce. It's why there are lanes and there are different positions because everyone brings a different skill set to the table. Perhaps Amelia Clark, who has lived with this character for 10 years, 11 years now, she may be. I mean, who wants who wants this person that they've become and that they've they've wanted that they've fallen in love with in some ways to be to, to be a bad guy? Do you know what I'm saying? No one wants that. Yeah. Yeah. But but it doesn't make but but if they if they step away objectively, it doesn't mean that they don't recognize that it makes for stronger storytelling. These these are just things that like when you see those YouTube videos that they don't get and they don't do service to all the talent involved. Go back and watch you know, especially because you don't necessarily have context for it. just watch just take try to separate yourself from the book or expectation and just watch that episode as a piece of art. It's an hour and a half. It's basically a movie. Yeah. It's fucking beautiful. All right. There, there, there is a moment in the show. I mean, you know, you know what happens, right? Uh, the Winterfell battle. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Where, um, that the, the army of the dead come and, um, they, uh, attack Winterfell and, um, everybody's in the keep, I guess. And then they go and try to fight, defend the castle. (laughs) I kind of know what happened. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, okay. So anyway, so there's the at the end of the episode, the people that I was watching the episode with, it, it, collectively, gasp and we're like, no. Oh, the, and then the Aria and then, and then like, it, okay, yeah, so, yeah, the Aria yeah, moment. I actually, I, mean, I watched all, that clip. That was pretty cool. Okay, yeah, it's so fucking cool. And if you, if you watch and the music that's playing, uh, every you know the all the even the complaints that it's so dark, like it gives it a real sense of of um. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for when you're d- disorientation, yeah. you know, um, it's so masterfully does beautiful. I mean, it, there's some shots in there that are just outright gorgeous. Again, you have to watch it for what it is and for what it is, it is done so, so well. It's it, completely satisfying. If you remove your expectations from it and you watch it as this was the, this was the intent of the writers for this. And it make and to me it logically makes sense. You're not going. This is not a traditional army. You're not going to starve out the army of the dead. They're going to just keep coming and coming and mm-hmm. coming. You only have one shot at success, and that one shot is essentially uh, uh, a hell mary. It's like Luke shooting the 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 missiles into the Death Star. You've okay. got you've got you know what I'm saying. Like it's like there is no other opportunity for logically for success. I mean, you could drag it out, but. But people talk about uh, uh, what's the the word I keep hearing? Um, something shield, plot shield. Oh, uh, plot armor. Plot armor. Yeah. yeah, you want to talk about plot armor? Making that episode last any longer than one night is crazy. Yeah, maybe. And it literally is one night. Like the army attacks at at basically right at nightfall, and and by dawn, 
I mean, it's so symbolic. There's so much symbolism in it. It's a beautiful, great episode. It's done so well. You might not agree with the choices, but to call it lazy writing or bad filmmaking is just outright <laughs> wrong. All right. Well, I'll check it out, man. Um, and and I'm going to watch the uh, final episode. So, uh, yeah, we'll probably have a little bit more of this stuff to talk about next time we meet. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I want to just say, you know, um, last night I was watching Return of the mm-hmm. Jedi which is a great film. And and I was watching the scene where, where Luke is talking to to uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Force Ghost yes. Obi. And you know, he's talking about, you know, Va- why did you tell me Vader was my dad and and why did you lie to me? And he's like, I didn't lie to you. Um see what I told you was true from a certain point of view. And I think that as our audience goes and watches uh Game of Thrones tonight, you know, as by the time this comes out it'll be Monday morning, you'll still be reeling from the effects and and everyone will be asking, did Game of Thrones stick to landing? I think you need to ask yourself, this show is true to the story from a certain point of view. And are you enjoying it from that point of view? And can you allow yourself to enjoy it from that certain point of view? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let, let yourself enjoy it. it. No matter what your expectations are, just have fun with it. It's a show that is has grabbed the, the hearts of the public and it's going to evoke emotional response. That's good. That's good storytelling, by the way, you know, um, when you, when you say a character should, when you say that a a character, I've heard this a lot, a character wouldn't do that. Well, they would, and they did, and you don't (laughs) like it, but that's okay. You don't need to like it, but they do. Sometimes characters are stupid. Sometimes they make poor decisions. Okay. And it's okay. It's okay for, it's okay for characters to be fallible. It's okay for your favorite indestructible character from the book you know, to make some dumb decisions because people make dumb decisions in trauma situations. It's why when, um, you know, us being from Texas, we hear a lot about guns, right? Yeah. You know, good guy with a gun and a bad guy with a gun. The reality is, is in high pressure situation, most people with guns are horrible at shooting. Now, that, that may not be the way you want your hero to be. But in real life, that's what happens. People make bad decisions in high pressure situations all the time. This is true. All right. Well, Matt, uh, enjoy watching. Uh, you're the you're sort of the Game of Thrones alpha and omega. Yeah. You saw the first episode, and <laughs> you'll now see the last That's episode. Right. So hopefully you enjoy. Yeah, it's going to show up again like some time traveler that's just like, what all happened? What? Where'd those people go? What is this? Exactly. <laughs> you, you're essentially uh, Grindhouse's three-eyed raven. That's right. <laughs> You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the return of the Matt Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and wherever all fine podcasts can be found.